Hey, Josh Felber here, excited for today's guest. Uh, the true of the true entrepreneurs, second generation, grinded out, built a legacy for him and his family, as well as doing good and giving back into the Detroit, Michigan area. So super excited for today's guest. Guys, if you guys want to get some amazing insights on what it takes, different ways that he's excelled in his business, um, how passion has driven him to be the best at what he does and becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. So you got to check out today's guest, Larry Brinker Jr. on Making Bank. And guys, you know, I really appreciate your time, your uh, attention to watching these episodes of Making Bank. Make sure you comment below as well as like and share this video, forward it to some family or friends or whoever you think that could really benefit from this episode. So again, thanks for watching Making Bank and appreciate your time. You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest. Larry Brinker Jr. is an award-winning entrepreneur, impact investor, and mentor. He serves as chief executive officer and president of Brinker, a group of family-owned and operated commercial construction service companies responsible for several billion dollars in construction projects, which plays a critical role in the transformation and revitalization of Detroit. And he also serves as the CEO of the Brinker Family Asset Management Company. I'm excited to welcome Larry Brinker Jr. to Making Bank today. Thanks, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome to have you on the show, man. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously you're a successful entrepreneur. It sounds like you owned a handful of companies over the years. Give us a little bit of background. I guess when was that first time you got started and when you realized, oh man, I am an entrepreneur. I'm doing yeah. this thing. Yeah. So I am a second generation entrepreneur. So my father started our, our, or our group of five construction companies back in 1989. Uh, and so I was raised in this environment of entrepreneurship. Uh, my father started off as a carpenter and uh, had a, a vision that he wanted to own his own company one day. And so for me growing up seeing that, I saw that anything was possible for someone who didn't finish college to become a carpenter and then to create not one, just one company, but four other companies, and then we acquired our fifth company in 2010, is, in essence, uh, the definition of an entrepreneur, that someone that's not, not afraid of failure, not a, afraid of risk. And uh, by me seeing that, it led me down that same path. So I have owned uh, restaurants, nightclubs, a music production company. Uh, this is all after I graduated college prior to coming to work for the family business. Uh, but since then, I uh, am a co-founder in a fintech product that provides banking services to the underbanked and uh, healthcare services as well. And uh, so, yeah, so it's been in my DNA since I was, man, since I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's awesome. I know I, that's, I got started when I was around 14 as well for, as a kid. So what were some of kind of those early on lessons that you learned that you picked up that you're like, man... It, that you apply today over the years that has helped you be successful in who you are? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is uh, you often hear the phrase preparation plus opportunity equals success, right? And that's true, but the biggest thing that I've learned is, yes, you have to have the preparation. Yes, you have to have the opportunity. But when you get the opportunity, you have to work extremely hard to be successful. A lot of people think that they're ready for this opportunity. The opportunity comes and that's it. But you have to work 10 times harder when you get that opportunity than how hard you have to work to prepare for it. So that was one thing for me as I've kind of traversed through my career is I've been extremely blessed to have all types of, of opportunities, but I've had to work extremely hard to make sure that A, I was not wasting those opportunities, but B, I was making the most out of every single one of them. Yeah, no, that's super important definitely is, you know, obviously, you know, being able to capitalize on those opportunities when you see them, you know, understanding that and then working hard at it. So like you said, you're not wasting the opportunities that have come your way because obviously either somebody's connected you in that perspective or it's something that is just, you know, through your hard work on other areas, it's kind of fallen into your lap. <laughs> Absolutely. Overall. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For instance, uh, I have an uh, example where sometimes you never know when the opportunity is really going to happen, right? And I'll give you a quick story about my father and a quick story about something that recently happened to me. So my father, when he decided he wanted to become a carpenter, uh, he went in to apply for a position. Uh, they weren't hiring at the time. The lady at the front desk said, hey, come back in a few months and we'll uh, see. And as he's walking away from the front desk, the owner of the company is walking down the stairs and stopped him on his way out and said, hey, are you here? for a job. He says, yes, but you're not hiring, so I'll come back in a couple of months. And the owner said, hey, come upstairs. I'm going to talk to you. I have this business that's in, at, at the time, was in Pontiac, Michigan, which is a very urban city. And he says, that, hey, I'm really looking to hire people of color. It's been extremely hard to uh, find people, so I would love to talk to you. So he sits him down. Uh, he walks him through. He says, hey, construction is super hard. You probably won't make it. But what I'll tell you is if you're willing to take a job as a truck driver for three months and you show up and you work hard, I'll sponsor you to become an apprentice in an apprenticeship school. And if you graduate that, you can come work for me as a partner. And that one moment in time changed the trajectory of generations for our family by that one person giving him that opportunity. Hmm. Now, he could have gotten that opportunity and showed up and showed up to work late or not worked hard, but that was just the start. So once he got the opportunity, he made sure that he was the best worker on staff at the cheapest price at the time. So he uh, knew that they wouldn't let go of him because he was cheap labor, but if he was busting his butt, he would get more and more opportunity. And so that's a perfect example when we talk about you can get opportunity, but it's what you make of that opportunity after it happens which really like sets the course going forward. And for myself, it's no different. I was randomly, it was a, a Tuesday morning. I was on my way to work and uh, I have a friend who works for a very big family office out of New York. And uh, he calls me up and he says, hey, if you're still at home, can you stop by just for 20 minutes and have coffee really quick? I have someone I want you to meet here in town. And and so I'm like, hey, I really need to get to work, but sure, I'll stop by. So I stopped by, I had coffee. I spent 30 minutes 
answering questions about me. And I get up and realize that I still don't know anything about this person, right? And so she gets up. She says, oh, wow, it's great to meet you. I love your story. And 10 minutes later, she's introducing me to all types of people. That led to her really embracing me and opening up a whole new world of family office networks and uh, contacts, which have led me to even being on this podcast today. But it was one of those things where it took me probably three months of all day. I almost really had to stop my like core job and just take calls all day, every day with people she was introducing me to. And it was right. a drain. It was tough. But it was a, but by me doing that, it opened up the world for me in a way that was different than what I had been exposed to, which ultimately, like I said, led me to where I am today. So you never know when those opportunities are going to happen, but when they do happen, you have to be fully prepared to, to bust through the gates because that, that window is only open for so long. For sure. What, what, what do you think is one of the biggest things that has helped you be able to spot those right opportunity or spot the opportunities? I mean, because obviously, you know, you could have just blown that off and they like, ah, oh, you know, hey, let's catch up tomorrow and do coffee tomorrow or whatever it might yeah. be, um, you know, and missed out on that. I mean, what yeah. do you think helps you spot those right opportunities? I think two things. One is remaining humble. Uh, and that just comes from how I was raised, how I grew up. My father was starting a company as I was growing up, so he wasn't always taking checks. We didn't really have a whole lot, but that keeps me rooted in who I am as a person, my core values, uh, the values of my family, and I'm never too important for the next person, right? First and foremost. And then the second piece is really just being aware of the fact that you really never know when an opportunity is going to present itself, right? So being open to your time, giving folks your time. I say it all of the time that I look at my employees, I look at my father's story, that if you give someone just a couple of minutes of your day, you don't know how that can help that person over the, the next five days, five years, 50 years, right? But I try to keep it at the forefront of my mind every day that it doesn't matter if it's someone on the street that stops and says hi to me or it's someone that's making an introduction. Time is obviously the most precious commodity we have, but at the same time, uh, I feel like if you can uh, embrace the, uh, the uh, blessings and opportunities you get to interact with people of all walks of life, at the end of the day, you recognize that we're all the same and, and there's a different level of how you can relate to people that makes you comfortable giving your time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think that's super important, obviously being humble and, you know, giving those few minutes of time, uh, you know, is super important. I mean, it may be seeming right at that moment, like, oh man, I just don't have that extra minute or two, but, you know, taking that and, you know, doing that, like you said, can transform somebody's life. I mean, just like you mentioned the story with your dad and right. meeting the owner and the owner, you know, uh, took a few minutes, you know, he, he took a few minutes of the owner's time, you know, transformed, you know, your family legacy and everything from right. that point right. on. Right. And, and uh, Josh, I'll, I will actually give you another example of how it translates, not even always into business, but I think about just the responsibility that I feel to give back as well, right? Because mm. the blessings that I've received, I feel it's a responsibility for me to lower that ladder down and pull up the next person. 
And I was on the board of a nonprofit where we had high school kids that we serviced basically. They were great kids from bad situations. And I set up a time to take them up to the University of Michigan. I have a friend that's the admissions director there. And I scheduled a campus tour and I brought the kids in for her to hear their stories, to meet them, but then for the kids to see the campus, walk the campus, and hopefully gain some confidence that they would be able to be a student at the school one day. And uh, so it was about 10 or 12 kids. End of the day, one young lady decided she wanted to apply. And because the admissions director knew her story, it was easier to get her in because she came from a very, very rough background. That moment of my time of just taking the kids up there changed the trajectory of her life because she got into Michigan. She not not only got in, she became president of the Black Student Union. She went on to graduate from the University of Michigan. She has a great job now. And we'll be the first to tell you if it wasn't for that trip, she doesn't know how her her uh, her uh, life would have turned out, where she would have gone to school, if she would have gone to school. And so I look at those moments that that it's just it's a special feeling when you see how a moment of your time can help the next person. For sure, yeah. I mean, I think just being able to help and give back that you received, you know, and, pat- and paying that for it, I think, is definitely huge. What you know, as an entrepreneur and it, you know, throughout your whole journey and everything, what's a couple of the big challenges that you've run into, you know, along that way? Because obviously it wasn't just like, you know, super success from day one. Um, but, you know, what were some of the hardest things that you've kind of, what you went through and then how'd you navigate those? Yeah. A couple that come to mind is one, one of the most critical components of being a successful entrepreneur to me is building a solid team building a a team that that is smarter than you right a team that you can trust and so yeah. uh, the tough part in that is what i've what i en- encountered as i was building my team after i took over for my father in, in the family business was getting people who are not entrepreneurs to think like entrepreneurs right and it's very tough because some people their personalities are in a way where where they they don't like risk. They don't want change. Sometimes they want to come to work and go home and not necessarily think about work when they go home. It's not the life of an entrepreneur. And so as you <laughs> and so as you uh, build these teams, it was very tough to tap into understanding personalities and being able to bring the best out of every person. To make sure that they were a the right person on the right bus, but then not only just on the bus, but they were in the right seat on the bus. And it took me some years to really be able to understand personalities and people to be able to get the best out of it as well. So that that was one. And then the the other one I can speak to was more being a second generation entrepreneur was really establishing my own level of respect within the the industry and our community and not just because I'm my father's son, right? And so mm, a lot of that yeah. was was being and I say this a lot that one of the keys to me, especially being a person of color and as an entrepreneur, and not just that, but in construction, 
was getting comfortable being uncomfortable. It was it, uh, there were several times where I would uh, be uh, pheasant hunting or skeet shooting things that I had no interest in doing, but, but I was there because I was building relationships and. and and when you build those personal connections and relationships, it gives you opportunity to get work at times. It may be opportunity to build your network. It may be opportunity to have different mentors that you typically wouldn't have exposure. But it was just learning how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And to this day, oftentimes I'm still one of the only folks of color in a room and I'm comfortable with it because it's something that uh, for me, I look at it as as all people are the same. There, there are good people and bad people of all creeds, colors, and races, right? Yeah. So it's just getting people to understand that the competitive nature that we have that makes us entrepreneurs is a gift, but at the same time, our curse is we don't like to lose, but you understand as an entrepreneur, Sometimes you don't win, but when you don't win in those losses, typically, if you look at it the, the right way, they always make you better. For sure, yeah. No, that, that's kind of cool. I we teach that to our kids all the time: is you know becoming, you know, like you said, uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable, and you know whatever the situation is, and you know that's going to allow you to kind of break through those barriers. It's going to push yeah. you, you to that nether, that next level that you might have not thought possible, you know, at that time frame and everything. Absolutely. Moving forward, Kelly, you know, what's what drives you to, you know, continue to grow you the business and to give back to the community and everything? What's, you know, what is that that, you know, obviously you've built wealth, you've built um, you know, great companies and everything. You know, what is that for you now? Yeah, so my father told me a long long time ago when I first graduated college. He said I will support you in whatever you want to do, but what I will tell you, my piece of advice that I want you to carry with you throughout the rest of your life is make sure whatever you do, you have the passion for it. Because if you have the passion for it, you're going to work harder and the money and the success will come. If you do something only for the money, you won't have the passion. You're not going to work as hard and typically you're not going to be as successful and you definitely won't be as happy either, right? And so for me, I love winning. I love creating winning teams. I love being successful and seeing visions come to reality. And it's not about the money more than it is my passion to win and to, to like see, see visions and ideas that I have come to life. And it doesn't matter if it's from our core business of uh, scaling our business, which we've done. I've scaled a business over the last 10 years by over 400%, right? It's uh, by having the Brinker family. So having the Brinker family asset management company, which is our family office, where we're doing our alternative investments, right? And winning from that side of the table and being successful. It's fun when, when, when uh, you are continuing to, to learn. Uh, continuing to be uncomfortable, right? So there's times where I'm uncomfortable because I'm in a new space, so I'm learning what it takes to be successful in the family office side, no different than what it takes to be successful in our core business. And so uh. it's, it's it's less about the money more than it is about the competition, the drive, and the passion that I have just to be an entrepreneur. 
And then from the community aspect of it, um, it's just something that goes back to the core roots of our family and, and who we are. And it's one of those things where we've always been a part of the community. My grandmother was the person that, that, that cooked food for the church and funerals and weddings and everything else. And, and we were always a part of the community and it's no, no different now because uh, even when we didn't have some of what we have now, we always had love. And that love was always uh-huh. coming from the community to us, and we were giving it back to the community. So it's just carrying that forward from basically my great-grandparents, my grandparents, and my parents. It's just a responsibility that I feel that I have. Yeah, that, no, that's awesome. I think that's huge. Like you said, I mean, it plays a, a deep role in you know why somebody <clears throat> does what they do and and, and, and how they do it for sure. Guys, I hope you guys are really listening about what Larry's been talking about today. Taking those notes, go back, listen to this again, watch this again, you know, write down what he's talking about through his different stories, through some of the different insights that he's provided, and then figure out how you can apply this to your company. Where are you missing out at? Um, do you need to build a better team? Uh, you know, are you comfortable with becoming uncomfortable? Uh, you know, really take a look at, you know, yourself and your business and what you have going on. Um, Larry, we got a little bit of time left. What's one thing you're like, oh man, I really wanted to hope is Josh was going to ask me this direction, but I really want to share it and just, you know, yeah. let everybody know out so, there before we wrap up. So it's interesting because as you were just talking, I thought about something that I really wanted to make sure that I got across and you asked the question. So it's perfect. One thing that I feel is super important for entrepreneurs is to not only build your team the right way, but to trust your team, but to give your team accountability. Give them the autonomy to feel invested in what they're doing, right? Because if you're a micromanager, what's going to happen? If you're a micromanager as an entrepreneur, you're going to hit the ceiling where you can only go so high because no one in your your uh, company will have the accountability or the autonomy to feel vested to go above and beyond. What's going to happen is they're going to say, well, we're going to leave this choice up to the owner, because if he or she makes the wrong decision, it's not on me, right? Right? It's not my my problem. Whereas if you build a team where you give people that autonomy, you make them feel like they have a real voice in your company. Obviously, one thing that's worked well for, for us is we created a strategic plan. Every year we update that strategic plan, but it's a five-year plan that gets updated every year. So those are our swim lanes. Those are the confines of our business in terms of our strategic plan. Now, within that, there's a ton of tasks. There's a ton of blocking and tackling. There's also continued strategic ideation that goes on throughout the course of that year that you can give that over to your employees to make them feel invested, knowing from your perspective that you're comfortable because those swim lanes are there. Now, by doing so, we've seen... Not only the accountability goes up between executives, but then it's a different messaging that comes across to the employees from leadership because they feel that they're making these decisions. So therefore, as they message it down or communicate it down to employees, they're communicating it differently where it's not like, well, hey, Larry told us to do this, so we're going to tell you, you need to do it too. But by them being involved, they're saying, hey, we really need you to do this because it's important because of A, B, and C. 
and this is the outcome that will happen if you do this, and this is how it's better for you and your family and the business. I would say just build your team with the best talent you can get. Trust your team. Give your team accountability. Give your team the autonomy to feel like they're invested. And then don't be a micromanager. Uh, ultimately, the best entrepreneurs will put themselves in a place where their team doesn't even want them around half of the time because that is the sign of a good entrepreneur that their team has it under control. They feel invested. You're providing that vision and that direction and resources, but ultimately your team is a lot smarter than you are. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's huge. I think is kind of like what you're talking about with that is, you know, really empowering your team to take extreme ownership, whether it's the successes, whether that's the, and, you know, in the failures, the failures, you know, it's right. don't pass off as it, you make excuses, you know, own what you're doing and, and, and own your lane and, and own what you do. And I think that's huge. And sometimes it's the hardest thing to <laughs> get the team to, you know, do, but it starts, starts with us you know, as the owner, the entrepreneur and everything down. And, so, And it goes back to what I said earlier is understanding personalities, right? Because as mm. you build that team, you'll know the strong points, the weaknesses, or how someone mentally, based on their personality, will approach something. And the more that you can help mold that team to be cohesive, the more you're going to get people who tra traditionally think like a regular employee, you can kind of transfer that 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 like per, that uh, perspective over to a perspective of an entrepreneur. Now, will they ever be an entrepreneur like the owner? Most likely not, but they'll be more of an entrepreneur-thinking person that ultimately helps the success of the company as well. For sure. Actually, it's kind of funny. Um, we were going back and we were watching some of our our kids are about our boys are about twelve now and they had started to shoot their own vlog probably about four or five years ago. And we were watching one of the videos the other day and our one son was talking about, he's like, you don't have to just be an owner to be an entrepreneur. You can actually work for the company as an employee and be an entrepreneur within the company Absolutely. and be successful at what you're doing right there. So it's super yep. funny that that's you know, what you're <laughs> talking about today. And we were just listening to this last night, this video I found. And I was like, that's oh, awesome. you got to watch this again. This was, this was so good and smart at eight years old or seven right. years old at the that's time. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, we'll tell people where they can find out more about what you have going on, connect with you, Absolutely. everything. Absolutely. So you can find me on my website, LarryBrinkerJr.com. Uh, you can also find Brinker companies uh, at brinkergroup.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Larry Brinker Jr. Uh, so uh, I welcome all questions or comments or just say hi. I would love to uh, hear from you. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, Larry, appreciate your time today and just really uh, sharing your insights with everybody and what, what they have going on. So thanks again for coming on Making Bank. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. This has been fun. I am Josh Filbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, SuccessThinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.